to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. Somebody say, that's my favorite verse. <laughs> Amen. Amen. John 3, 16, as we continue our series, the last one on the Advent of Adoration, as we talk about uh, Advent being the appearing of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and uh, adoration is the reasons we have to adore Him. We've been doing the Advent uh, wreath here in the church, uh, several reasons to adore Jesus. One is He brings hope. Everybody needs hope, right? Uh, another one is He brings peace. Another one is He brings joy. And this morning, we're going to see that Jesus brings us Love, And we're going to look at one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. In fact, if you have ever uh, memorized a verse, it's probably this verse, and for good reason. Now, you've, you've memorized this verse. It's one of the most uh, beloved verses in the whole Bible. And so let's look at it this Christmas morning on John chapter 3, verse 16. And uh, why don't we just read it together? That's just, you're just going to, you're going to be saying it along with me anyway. So, and by the way, there's different versions. People use different versions. We're going King James this morning because most of us memorize this one in King James. So look at the screens, if you will, please. Uh, those of you who are joining us by Facebook Live, uh, Merry Christmas to you. You can do John 3, 16 along with us. Let's say it all together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, I wonder what your favorite gift is this year. Uh, I'll not go around and ask what your favorite gift you received for Christmas is this year, but we're going to talk about the, uh, the best gift ever. Talk, I looked at some pictures. You know, sometimes you ask for a gift, and somebody may give you something that technically is that, but may not be exactly what you were asking for. Anybody, I'll not ask you to raise your hand, but some of you may have asked for an Apple Watch this year. Here's one person asked for an Apple Watch, and uh, that's what they got. <laughs> they got an Apple with a watch around it. Uh, anybody know what Beats headphones are? You know what a Beats headphone is? Raise your hand. So, yeah, I know what it be. Okay, somebody asked for Beats headphones, and this is what they got. They got some... <laughs> <laughs> Beats as a headphone. Uh, one guy got his dad a quilt with his picture on it just because he wanted to. So here's an idea for next year for you. Go ahead and throw it up there. How about that? <laughs> That's just a little bit scary right there. Uh, one of the neighbors brought over some cookies, and uh, when they ate the cookies off the Christmas cookies off the plate, here's what they found when they washed the plate. Here's what they found on the back. If you can't read that, it says, not for food use. Article may poison food for decorative purposes only. Yeah, everybody say yikes. So the 25-year-old son who's living at home, what do you give the 25-year-old son who's still living at home? This is what he got for Christmas this year. <laughs> the old matching luggage set, right? <laughs> Here's your gift and a hint as well. Well, one person told Grandma they wanted to, why don't you just get me $100 worth of gifts from the Dollar Tree? Grandma's not someone to be messed with. Amen? Go ahead and put the picture up. There you go. <laughs> you got 100 gifts from the Dollar Tree, and uh, that'll teach you to mess with Grandma, right? Well, I hope you got a better gift than that, hopefully, this year. And in fact, you did. You're offered the best gift ever this year because at Christmas time is the story of Jesus coming. And uh, we're going to look at John chapter 3, verse 16 this morning because we know that what happened at Christmas time was that God gave us the greatest gift that it could ever be given. And God gave us the gift that we needed 
more than any other gift. You see, one person wrote it this way. If we had needed information, God would have sent us an educator. If we had needed technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If we had needed money, God would have sent us an economist. But we needed forgiveness. And so God sent us a Savior. And, and, and that forgiveness is not a box. It's not a commodity. Forgiveness is something that's given personally. Forgiveness comes from a person's heart. It's not a gift you can put in a box. It's something that you go face-to-face -face with somebody and you say, in the best sense of the word, I forgive you. And when we have forgiveness, we acknowledge something has actually been done wrong. Something actually has been done hurtful. Something actually has been done grievous. And the person does not say it was okay. It didn't matter. Forgiveness says this hurt. Oftentimes this hurt deeply. But I choose to let it go. And by our sin, we had grieved God. Amen. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet John 3.16 is that reminder that the greatest gift ever, God has extended it to us. Max Licato said, John 3.16 is a 26-word parade of hope. Beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us to do the same. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, 25, 26 words, depending on the translation that you use. David Jeremiah said, if all the Bible were lost or destroyed, except for John 3, 16, there would be more than enough information for the entire world to be converted. As I said earlier, many of you, if you've ever memorized a verse, you memorized John 3, 16, and I would say yes, that's the one verse to memorize. If you're going to memorize any verse, because you can come to be saved just through John 3, 16, and you can share with somebody else the whole meaning of salvation. Really, you can get the general idea of the entire New Testament right here in one verse. It's the gospel encapsulated in a verse. I, I've only preached on John 3, 16 two or three times in my entire ministry. And the reason why is not that it's not a great verse, it's because it's such a good verse that I know that when I set out to preach on John 3.16, I'm not even going to scratch the surface of the beauty and the majesty and the depth that is there. So I, anytime I felt led to preach on John 3.16, I've tried to, but, but it's, I just stand in amazement. I stand in awe. And I stand and say, what else do I have? Say, how can I elaborate on this? And it's almost impossible, but as your pastor, I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to give a few minutes to take a try. One person said it this way. It said you could break it down into the greatest. Think of the greatest. For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest number, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes, which is the greatest simplicity, in him, the greatest person, should not perish the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. Somebody say amen. amen. Those are great reasons to have an advent of adoration, to adore the Lord Jesus for what he's done for us at Christmas time. So we're going to talk about unwrapping this gift of God's love because, as I said before, the gift has been offered, but you have to unwrap it. 
The gift has been given. It was given uh, beginning at Bethlehem, but it culminated at Calvary, a triumph and the resurrection. And so God has given us this gift of forgiveness, this gift of salvation, this gift of his love. But we have to receive it. We have to, by faith, claim this gift as our own. So let me, uh, instead of just doing one or two points, I'm going to kind of give you several, just a big broad strokes of how great this love of God is this morning so that we can just kind of sit here amazed this Christmas morning at our great Savior. Let's look at a couple of reasons. First of all, the powerful love of God. For God so loved. Everybody say so loved. Isn't it nice? He didn't just say he loved. He said he so loved. Every once in a while, you'll want to communicate love to somebody, and you say, I love you. But once in a while, you say, I love you so much. <laughs> I just want you, I love you very much. I love you with all of my heart, you know. And, and you try to put it in some kind of other language. And when God says that, when the eternal one says, I love you so much, that is the most powerful love that we could ever imagine. In fact, 1 John 3, 1, John writes it this way. Same guy writing 1 John as the gospel of John. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. John, the guy who walked with Jesus for two and a half to three years, said, it's hard to comprehend the depth of God so loving us. It's hard to understand the meaning behind this word. In fact, Paul said in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated, didn't just say it, but he demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He did something. He gave his son. He died in our place. Why? So that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sin debt. The word that John uses in John three sixteen. some of you will recognize this word. It's the word agape. The word agape. The word agape is the word that means, for, it's a word that really is particular to God's love. It means that God loved not because we deserved it, not because there was something in us that drew his love. Agape means God loved because he chose to love. Anytime we say, well, I just don't know what God saw in me to love me, nothing. That's the whole point of agape love, is that God, while there was nothing, we were nothing like God, and aren't you glad that God loves people that are nothing like him? And he loved it because it's his heart, it's his desire, it's his nature. And in John 3, 16, we have the first use that John uses of that word agape. It's right there in John 3, 16. He goes on to use it 35 more times in his gospel 31 times in 1 John, those five short letters of 1 John, for a total of 57 times, God, uh, John uses this word, agape, the Holy Spirit helping us to see what? God loves you out of his own self-giving love. You don't have to wonder if I'm good enough. It's because God's nature is to love you. And you look at yourself and you think, well, but that's the whole thing. You don't look at yourself. You look at him. I heard about a, a farmer that um, his, he had a cow that got his nose stuck in a paint can. And uh, that thing got stuck on his nose and he couldn't get it off. And so uh, they tried to chase the, uh, the cow around, but of course the cow ran. 
and uh, had a calf, and they, and of course, couldn't nurse the calf like he needed to. And, and so they chased the cow around with this stupid can on his nose that he couldn't get off, and they chased him and chased him for a day or two. Couldn't, t- couldn't ever catch him. The cow just continued to run, continued to run. Finally, they got four-wheelers and trucks and everything else out there, and finally decanned the cow's nose <laughs> so the cow could live like he wanted to live or needed to live. And you know what? <clears throat> A lot of us are kind of like a can-nosed people. We stick our nose where they shouldn't be, don't we? And we end up getting stuck, and we can't function like we need to function because what? Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from each other. And we think to ourselves, what a mess I've gotten myself into. And like the cow, we can't get the can off of our symbolic, the sin. We can't get it off of ourselves. And then God comes to help. And what do we do? We run. We do just like the cow did. And the wonderful thing about the love of God, it is a pursuing love. God will run you down if you will let him. If you will let him. Second thing I want you to see, not only is it a powerful love, it is a phenomenal love. A phenomenal love. For God so loved the world. Everybody say the world. He loves the world. He loves every individual. God, listen to me, friends. God has never created a person he doesn't love. Never created anybody that he doesn't love and love deeply. And here's the thing. Love, true giving love, is attention. It's looking at somebody and knowing their needs and understanding their hearts. And and, and I can do that for one or two or three people, right, at a time, really probably one or one person at a time, you, look, you, you care for your grandchild or your, or your spouse or somebody like that, and you give them your whole love and your whole attention, your whole heart. And it's hard to do that for more than one person at a time, but we have an eternal, phenomenal God who can do that with every person on the face of the earth. Intimate knowledge, personal attention, deep giving love. He has that for every person on the face of the planet. I heard about a place called Fort Hancock. It's up around New Jersey. And during World War II, they were using Fort Hancock as a military institute. And there was an individual that wanted to share the gospel with the uh, recruits coming through Fort Hancock. But the uh, military wouldn't let them. I mean, it's a military base. They couldn't just let civilians to come in. And so he devised a plan whereby he could try to share the gospel with those folks. And what he did, he went to a novelty shop, and he got a little, he bought some mirrors, little three-inch in diameter mirrors. And on the back of those mirrors, it said, to see who God loves, turn this around. And when they would turn it around, of course, you're looking in the mirror, you're looking at what? At your face. Listen, you have probably heard it said before, you could take that verse where for God so Love the world. And you can put your name there. For God so loved you that he gave his only. It's a personal love. It's a phenomenal love. It's a, it's a love for you. And it's one of the things to say, well, I know God loves somebody. I know God loves Billy, Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. God loves all these people. But, man, I don't have my act together. And you're the very kind of person that God chooses to love. It is a phenomenal love. Third thing I want you to see, it is a priceless love. A priceless love. He gave his only begotten son. Everybody say only begotten son. Only begotten son. I don't know what you received for Christmas. I hope you got something you liked this year, but you did not receive anything as expensive as the gift that God decided to give you. What could be more expensive than the gift of his son? 
And think about it this way. Why in the world would Jesus trade the stars of heaven? Why would he trade the adoration of the angels for a carpenter shop? Why would he trade sitting at the right hand of his father for a manger in Bethlehem or even for a cross? Why would he do that? God gave his only begotten son the most expensive gift ever. Because what? Because that's what you and I needed. So we, we, we had to have a sinless person die for us. Our sins separated us. We could not get there on our own. All of our good efforts, all of our best tries, all of our going to do better this time. God could have given anything, but nothing could exceed the price of his son. Nothing would, shed, would take the place of our sin except the place of his own son. He died in our place. I mean, if you were to say to somebody, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Well, I wanna, I wanna, I'd like to have an Apple Watch, or I'd like to have some clothes, or I'd like to have a jacket. <clears throat> but if they said, I'd like your grandson, like your nuts, <laughs> you know? like your son, uh, I'd like your son to give me his heart. Well, what's he going to do? He's going to die, but i got a grandson that needs a heart, so I want your son to give me his heart. I mean, it's ludicrous. Let me say it's beyond the realm of even thinking about hardly. And yet, that is what God gave you. Gave you his son's heart. Gave you his son's life. It is the most expensive gift you could ever be given. Please, 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 I plead with you this morning. Don't turn your back on God's greatest Fourth thing I want you to see, it's personal. Not only is it powerful and phenomenal and priceless, but it's personal. That whosoever, everybody say whosoever. whosoever. And whosoever, whosoever. That means it's a personal invitation to anybody. I heard Richard Baxter was a great Puritan preacher, and Richard Baxter said that he's so glad that God put whosoever in there and not Richard Baxter. And when I read that, I thought, I wonder what he's going to say about that. And he said, the reason why I'm so glad he put whosoever and not Richard Baxter is if, if I read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if Richard Baxter would believe in him, he said, I'd be tempted to believe it was a different Richard Baxter. I'd be tempted to believe it was a better Richard Baxter. It was a Richard Baxter who was holier and godlier and did more for Jesus. I mean, I'd be tempted to write it off. I mean, just think about it. If God had put just about anything else in there, we'd be tempted to say, maybe that's not for me. Listen, guys, your name's whosoever. <laughs> whosoever, the hymn writer said, surely meaneth me. That means God's invitation is for you to take a hold of what he has offered you. I was reading one of the books by Max Licato, and Max said he loves it whenever his wife cooks strawberry cake. So that's his favorite, strawberry cake. And said once in a while when he goes in there and she's cooking strawberry cake, and he'll say, who's this for? Because it's his favorite cake, and he's hoping she's not going to say, this is for a wedding shower. <laughs> this is for something special at the church. But he said sometimes she makes that special cake, and uh, he goes and said, who's the cake for? And she'll say, anybody that wants some. And he said, I go straight for the spoon drawer, right? Straight for the spoon drawer and dive in. God's love is for whosoever. And that should make you and I extremely, extremely glad. Number five, it's also possible. Look at what it says. For whosoever believes in him. Everybody say believes in him. 
believes in him, God has made it possible for every one of us to receive his love. It's not for the, you know, the super talented or the, the super spiritual, the, somebody's got some kind of special knowledge or something like that. Man, God says all you do is you believe. Now, we understand what that word believe means. It's not to like believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. That has no impact on your life. The word believe means to trust. It means to turn from trusting in myself. Well, I'm as good as the next person. I don't think I'm that bad of a person. I think I I've always try to do the right thing. You know, I hear people all the time say, um, you know, I, I think God let me into heaven because I don't try to hurt anybody. I don't try to do anybody wrong. I don't try to cheat anybody. But see, here's the thing. Everybody has sinned. That, that is a trust in yourself. And that's the one thing. Self-righteousness is the one thing that's not going to be forgiven. You can't trust in yourself. You have to trust in him. Nobody is good enough. We have to focus our attention on Christ and say, Jesus, I need you. I, have you ever been convicted that you are a sinner and you fall short and you need a Savior? Listen, guys, that's what Christmas says. We're such a mess that Jesus had to come and die for us. Heard about a guy that was going on a, on a, on a trip and some of his compadres wanted to go rappelling. He didn't really want to go rappelling, but sometimes when you're a bunch of guys and you're going rappelling and they're going to rappel, then you just kind of have to do it. You can't chicken out. You just kind of have to jump in there. And so he jumped in there with the rappelling and the, there, was, um, there was a young lady there uh, about 20, 21, 22 years old. This guy's about 50-something years old and she's going to be laying down, which means she's got a hold of the rope. And uh, he's real nervous about it. And she said, are you nervous? He said, I'm scared to death. I've never, you ever done this before? I've never done this before. She said, well, here's what you do. You grab onto the rope, put your feet on the cliff, and you just lean back. He said, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to hold you. <laughs> he said, are you big enough to hold me? She said, I've, I've been holding people for years. <laughs> she said, I, I've got you. He said, well, what's my job? He, she said, your job is to look at me. Don't look down. Don't look around. You just got, you grab the rope, and then you just look at me, and you trust me. I've got you. It's not a bad illustration of salvation, is it? You take your sins. You take your guilt. You, you hand them over to Jesus. You look at the cross, and you keep looking, and you say, I believe he's got me. <laughs> I believe all those sins I confessed and I gave to him, I believe he's God. I keep my eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on the fact that he shed his blood for you. That's where you look. You don't look at yourself. You don't look and say, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Have I, am, I, am I smart enough? Am I holy enough? Have I gone to church enough? No, nobody has. Christ did enough for you. That's why it's possible if we will believe in him. Number six is a particular love. We should not perish. Everybody say, should not perish. See, here's the thing. There is a problem. John 3, 18 says this. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The word perish is there for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That word's there for a reason why people are perishing. The word means cut off from God forever, eternally separated 
from God. And the Bible gives us no hope, no chance, no inclination of any second opportunity after death. Jesus was the only way. He gave his life. Listen, guys, if there was another way, if there was, you know, you just be pretty good and not hurt people, just kind of go to church and try to be a pretty good guy. If there was another way outside of the cross, why in the world would Jesus have died? I mean, why in the world would a good father let his son die a horrible death if there was another way out? Let me play with your mind just a little bit on Christmas. Can I play with your mind just a little bit on Christmas Sunday morning? So we always say what? Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And we celebrate Jesus, and he is the star of the show. He's the hero of the story. But you're the reason for the season, and so am I. Now, before you call me a heretic, think about it. Why did Jesus come? Because we're perishing. So we're the reason that he came. He didn't have to come by himself. He didn't need to come by now. We celebrate him. We worship him. We make much about him. The fact that we're the reason the season brings more honor and glory to him. David Meesh wrote a song way back in the 70s, and it says, and we are the reason that we gave his life, and we were the reason that he suffered and died. To a world that was lost, he gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. Jesus came to rescue you. He came to reconnect you. He came to recover you. He came to help you to see that you have a way to experience the love that you were created for. And it is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last of all, and that is, it's permanent. It's a love that's permanent. Everybody say everlasting life. Everlasting life. Look at that, guys. Is that not a great Christmas gift we've been given? A God who's given us a powerful love, a phenomenal love, a priceless love, a personal love, possible love, particular love, just for those who believe. And it is a permanent love. This is a, you see, almost every gift you have is going to wear out sometime or another, isn't it? Man, that, that Apple Watch, she's going to have to update it in a year or so. You get a computer, it's going to be out of date before you get it out of the box good, right? Uh, the phones are going to have to go away. The clothes are going to go out of style, all that kind of stuff. And some of us are trying to keep these clothes in style for years, but yeah, <laughs> we're doing our very, very best with the, with the clothes. But here's the thing. Every gift wears out, but this is, this is the gift of relationship. This is Jesus. This is the gift of a relationship with God, whereby you are guaranteed when you turn, and here's the hardest part about it, guys, is turning from ourselves, turning from controlling our own lives, turning from doing our own things, making our own decisions, and saying, Lord, I trust that you love me more than anybody else. And I trust that you know better than anybody else. And I trust that you have my best better than anybody else. And so, Lord, I come to give my all to you. And hey, here's the thing. You come into relationship with Jesus, and it can get better. 
doesn't wear out, it gets better. I really believe that if we are rightly related to Christ, some of you know this already, your relationship with Jesus is better now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, hopefully. So those of you, some of you who've been married for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you know that if you've been growing like God wants you to grow, your relationship and your love is better and deeper today than it was the day you got married. Sometimes it's hard to believe. The day you get married, you think it can't get better than this, but it does. It grows deeper and it grows more meaningful. And I really believe that when we've been in heaven for 10,000 years, our relationship with God will be better than it is right now. His love won't get better. It's as good as it can get. But we'll understand it more. We'll know how to give into it more. And we'll know how to embrace him even more. So God has given you the best gift ever. You can't win it. <laughs> you don't lose it by being a loser, but you can. Watch this. This is where we end up at. You can refuse it. And I want to challenge you today. In your heart, your mind, maybe here at this altar, to bow before God and say, Oh, Lord God, I want to open up everything I am to everything you are so that I can experience you and make much of Jesus. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around this morning as we celebrate Christmas morning. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he loved you, so loved you. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on in your life today, no matter how hard life might be for you right now, God so loved you that he gave the most priceless, expensive gift ever. His only son to die and be raised from the dead. That if you and me, whosoever would trust, would believe in him, even though we are perishing, we don't have to perish. <clears throat> don't have to perish outside of Christ. But you can have right now in your possession eternal life. If you've already been saved this morning, can you just treasure Jesus today? Will you worship him this morning? Will you tell him how grateful you are for the gift of his love, the gift of relationship, the gift of being able to adore him on this Christmas day? And if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, you felt convicted, you felt drawn, but you've never really stepped across the line. You never, in your own heart and life, for sure, for real, said, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I ask you to forgive me. I trust you to do that. I know I can't be good enough. I know I can't make enough promises or promise to do better enough, but I trust you to forgive me and make me one of your own. This is best you know how. Give all of you to all you know of Jesus and trust him to save you this morning. As Lisa begins to play softly, I'm going to pray. <clears throat> Father, I pray right now. On this Christmas morning, these few moments, we would unwrap the gift of your love that you've offered to us today. Maybe, Lord, for the very, very first time, some people here this morning will say yes to Jesus. And, Lord, maybe some of those who are Christians and yet it's been a hard season, it's been a difficult time. Maybe right now, Lord, they need us to say, Lord, thank you again for John 3.16. Thank you again for Christ. Thank you for so loving me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to stand at the front of the altar.